Hello there, I'm Asher Leamond, and welcome to the Spoondrift Podcasts. Here on the show, I talk about a lot. I just skim the surface of a giant ocean of information and capture the Spoondrift. Today, I have a lifestyle episode for you. We're going to be looking at the reality of coziness, and then we'll, we'll take a brief look at some productivity strategies. Here we go. All right, let me try to paint you a picture. <laughs> It's it's dark outside. It's 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 raining, drizzling a little bit, and you can hear the rain kind of tapping on the roof. You're sitting back in a couch. A nice soft cushy couch. It's kind of a um I got to describe the color here. It's kind of a, a warm cream color. Um, the, the lights in the room are down low. There's a candle that's lit on the entertainment center below the TV. TV's on. It's playing a Christmas movie. You've got an oversized sweatshirt on and fuzzy pants. Uh, a pair of slippers sit at the bottom of the couch, but you're not. your feet aren't on the couch. They're curled up with you on the couch. You have a dog next to you, snuggled up next to your legs, and the, the scent of... A mahogany teakwood scent just permeates the air. This might be considered cozy. At least that's kind of the image that I, I'm going for. <laughs> Whether or not that matches your image of cozy, I don't know. But that, that seems kind of like a cozy environment to me. I was perusing the internet looking for um, some, some good content to talk about, and I found this article... It's published by Bustle and written by uh, Charlotte Moore. And it's, it's all about coziness, what it means to be cozy, why cozy has become something people are thinking about recently. And kind of, the, the article does a really good job of explaining both the idea of coziness and also its relevance to today. Because in... At, at this point in time, which is December of 2021, coziness has kind of been brought front and center in a lot of lives because of the pandemic. People aren't going out as much. They're staying at home. And so while you're at home, why not be comfortable? Why not be cozy? And the article starts off, it's like, what what exactly is coziness? And the author explains that it's it's a feeling of comfort, warmth, and relaxation. Psychologically speaking, it's later explained that cozy is, is sort of epitomizing a feeling of snugness and protectedness. Uh, and <laughs> now that description I made earlier, I, I did include some of the, the staple cozy items, like um, slippers. Uh, the article also identifies things like weighted blankets or a hot bath. All things that they're just kind of, they make you feel safe. They make you feel warm and protected. And that's kind of the idea, that's kind of what coziness is. The article points out that in, over the past year or so, social media searches for things like cozy aesthetic or uh, cozy outfits have skyrocketed. And I did a quick search, taking a look at what a... What, looking up cozy brings up on Instagram. 
And also, I'd like to point out, the article, they spell it C-O-S-Y. For whatever reason, in my lifetime, I've always seen it with a Z. I don't know. I guess it's a discrepancy. But cozy, kind of interesting. So what it comes up with are lots of images. Uh, First, it comes up with a fireplace. Flames, you know, licking up the side of a piece of wood. Then we got a nice couch. Looks cream-colored with some brown pillows thrown across it. A nice chandelier. Another person in what looks like a Snuggie holding a coffee mug, and they're just sitting in front of a couch that's got a gray cover over it and a nice brown pillow on it. More pictures of rooms with fireplaces and bookcases full of books, lots of books. Oh, wow, that one looks cozy. There's, There's an image of a room with a mantle, a fire lit in a fireplace, a Christmas tree, lots of ornaments. I see lots of of browns, um, beige coloring, kitchens with hardwood countertops, brown carpets, uh, twinkly lights <laughs> put everywhere, candles, lots of dogs. <laughs> as far as the clothing goes, I'm seeing lots of jackets with like fur on them lots of cardigans sweatshirts loose fitting clothing seems to be the the trend here oversized clothing again the colors are browns beige cream very earthy tones and the article points out that these earthy tones are they tend to fit the trend so the things they associate in coziness as far as um these go major items are um, yellow lighting, fires, books, sweaters, couches with the pillows. You can't forget the pillows. Coffee mugs, blankets, weighted blankets, uh, blankets, blankets. Did I say blankets? Lots of blankets. Lots of really soft blankets. Christmas lights, candles. Uh, clothing has sweaters, loose plant, loose pants, rompers. And the article also points out, uh, from an economic standpoint, there was a, a person who sold things, and they'd seen a spike in the number of rugs, slippers, fairy lights, and hot chocolate bombs that they had sold over the past year or so as a result, they're presuming, of the pandemic. Colors associated, the earthy tones like we were talking about. Uh, some of the, the standard things include those candles, and specifically candles with scents like vanilla or cinnamon, sandalwood, mahogany, teakwood, woods, um, spices um, like apple cider with mold spices, you know, that tastes, that, <laughs> I say tastes, but you know, it, it smells with those spices. Those are all cozy things. Possibly a spike in interest in cooking and arts and crafts, things that you can do at home. Uh, because people are spending more time at home as a result of lockdowns and just general caution when it comes to um, staying safe in the pandemic. And another uh, another point that is emphasized in the article would be work life. As a result of the pandemic, a lot of people are working at home. They're not going into an office place. And so what that means is people no longer have to maintain a wardrobe to look, in quotes, professional. If you're at home, why not be comfortable? (laughs) And so a lot of people are um, buying clothes that they are comfortable with, comfortable working in while at home. They don't have to prioritize looking a certain way 
For other people, it's just you at home with your family or, or with significant other or just you. And I think this is, it's kind of, it might be the beginning of a, a shift because I know as a, as a student, whenever I'd be in class and people would turn on their, cam- their cameras or things, and especially when it's like professors or, peop- or um, people of authority, and you see that they're not necessarily dressed in the most fancy, it's, it's almost humanizing. It's kind of good to see people just in a t-shirt and pants and, and a meeting. It's, they're not necessarily dressed in what would be called professional, but it, it makes other people seem more relatable and easier to talk to. It makes them seem more human. I, I don't know, it sounds kind of weird saying it out loud, but the whole work at home and being comfortable, <laughs> it's almost like we've eliminated this this uh, this facade or this, I don't know, barrier that prevents people from getting to know one another. It, I, don't, I found it kind of refreshing just to see people wearing comfortable clothes. And more than that, it's it's kind of just become a way of life. People, they've invested in comfortable furniture. If they're spending time at home, you might as well be comfortable, be cozy. And so that's a sort of shift that might have resulted from the pandemic. People are at home. You might as well spend money to be comfortable at home and to be cozy, to wear clothes that you feel comfortable in (laughs) or uh, (laughs) doing work in your pajamas because you're at home. Why not? You don't need to dress up to be working at home, (laughs) talking with people on the phone if you're just at home. And so it's the coziness might actually be becoming uh, more of an emphasis. I mean, it plainly is already, but it's easy to see how this sort of cozy trend might continue well into the future. Okay. We talked about being cozy and working at home. About a year ago, I did an episode talking about productivity. At that point, it was the beginning of the pandemic. I'd just gone into lockdown and I was kind of faced with a shift in how I would have to structure my day in order to get things done in a timely manner. And so I looked up different product productivity strategies and I stumbled across the Pomodoro technique, which I kind of employed. It sort of fell off, but I maintained some of the habits. Like I still track a lot of what I do and I track it in increments of 25. Now the difference is I don't always stop after the 25 minutes and do like a five minute break like I'm supposed to according to the Pomodoro technique. I usually just start my timer over, but I, I have been like tracking loosely how I spend my time. I'll spend 25 minute chunk working on one task. I'll put a tally mark, another 25 minute chunk, another tally mark. And it's kind of allowed me to to look at what I'm doing. Although, because I'm not always at home now, I do spend time at other locations more so than I did before now. The the tallying has kind of dropped off. But when I am working at home, I, I do tend to try to stay on that path. But today we're going to be looking at a couple of other productivity strategies. So this article that I found was also published on Bustle, much like the Cozy article. And it was written by Natalia Lozinski and Caitlin Wild. 
And in the article, they kind of go through 25 different strategies to look up, uh, to be productive, to maintain your schedule and get things accomplished in a timely manner. So we're just going to step through the 25 things and kind of highlight how we might be able to apply them. The first is focusing on a single task versus multitasking. And that kind of goes with the, the Pomodoro technique that I was talking about before. You work on a task and you set a timer for 25 minutes and that 25 minutes is dedicated to that one task. You're not trying to do multiple things at a time. And a lot of people might fall into this where you're working on a task and then you'll stop and try to respond to an email midway and you'll be answering questions coming from someone else nearby and you'll be kind of doing multiple things at the same time when it's probably not as productive as maybe you, you hope. And there's an, there's a quote that I pulled from a website called despair.com. It's kind of great. That website, they make posters that are demotivational. <laughs> but anyway, there's one about multitasking that I kind of hold dear. And it goes, multitasking is the art of doing twice as much as you should, half as good as you could. It's like you're being pulled in too many different directions and trying to do too much all at once. So this first strategy is just focusing on one thing, doing one thing at a time. And then once you're done with that thing, then you can switch to other tasks and get going on those. Number two, turning push notifications off. That one, the little ding that goes off and draws your attention can be a bit distracting, throw off your mojo. Uh, so turning those off might be a good way to focus only on one thing. And if, if you don't have to like go in through and actually manually change the settings, you can just turn on do not disturb mode for a little bit. Number three, putting your phone out of sight. Even if you're not using your phone, if it's still within your field of view, you still might start thinking about it or wondering if there's a notification you should be checking or it's just in your mental space. If you move it out of sight, it might be easier. It might make it easier for you to not think about it. So that's something they suggest. Number four, setting phone alarms. If you're doing something like the Pomodoro technique where you got a time section, you're gonna dedicate 25 minutes or 30 minutes to one task, set a timer for it. And then when it, as long as that timer isn't going off, you're working on that task. As soon as it goes off, only then do you break and do something else. And in the article, they, they point out something called Parkinson's Law, which is that you will take whatever the allotted time is to finish a task. <laughs> if you have a week to do something, you'll probably spend the full week. And I find that's true for me because it's if you do break something up, if it's due in a week and you say, I've got a week to do it, you'll break it up to allow for a week. You'll do tasks here and there. And then if you're not maybe as far as you should be close to the deadline, then it's focus heavily on that one task to get it done by the deadline. So I guess if if you're wanting to get something done earlier, you could set an artificial deadline before the actual deadline. If it's due in a week or you have to have it done in a week, set your own deadline in like four or five days and treat it as if it's a hard deadline and get it done by then. Break it up accordingly. That might... Um, if you if you are strategic about your own artificial deadlines, you might be able to realign your actual schedule to fit your to-do list. Number five, being intentional about your time. And they say to get in the habit 
of using your time at work for work and away from work for stuff that's not work. Being very mindful of how you dedicate your time, what you spend it on. Number six, moving around during the day, taking breaks, going for walks, they say is really important. <laughs> they actually mentioned something that I really hadn't thought about, but holding walk and talk meetings instead of having to sit down somewhere and talk about something. Just meet up and go for a walk to discuss whatever you need to about a meeting. It gets you moving, um, changes your environment, and gets you thinking and talking about stuff. It might make writing stuff down a little difficult, but most of the time in meetings, you're not really writing stuff down either. You're just talking. So, I mean, that sounds kind of like a cool idea to me. I had never thought of doing a walk and talk meeting. Might have to try that. Number seven, reflecting on your progress. So that would be using an agenda or a to-do list or a calendar. Once you're done, like once you've hit a, a major landmark, look back at the, the tasks you accomplished, the things you finished, and think about what what successes you've had, what you still need to do. Just kind of reflect on where you're at. It's a good checkpoint. And also, if you find you have tasks that you're doing repetitively, that you have to do at the same time every week, and it requires, like uh, an example they gave is sending a report to, say, a superior. If you have to send the report regularly, you might create yourself a template in order to make the process more efficient so that we don't have to think about putting a heading on and a footer on and starting paragraphs with the same thing. It's just already pre-made for you. Just open up the template, plug the stuff in, and send it out. It's just making things more efficient and expediting your time. Number eight, using a productivity app to help you stay focused. There are plenty out there. Uh, as far as apps go, I, I, I used um, Microsoft's calendar is what I use. Uh, I also use a paper agenda. I keep track of my tasks that I have to do, and I draw boxes for things that I know I have to get done. If I if it has to be done the next day, I put an exclamation point by the box. If it has to be done like today, like before the end of the day, that's two exclamation two exp two exclamation. Wow, have I been saying that wrong? Two exclamation points next to it. Uh, if a task on if there was a task that needed to be done or that I wrote down with a box on say Monday. Uh, then the next day I'm working on it, uh, say is Wednesday, I'll put an arrow next to the box on Monday saying, kind of to indicate to myself that this has been pushed to Wednesday. So that way I'm not, when I'm looking at like a full week of boxes, I, I don't have duplicates. I'll put an arrow next to ones. So that way I know I'm not supposed to check that box in that day. I check it in the next day. Anyway, I guess I've got a weird system thinking about how I'm explaining this. Anyway, um, apps or agendas or to-do lists, some way to track what you're doing could be a good way to keep you on task and keep your thoughts and actions organized. Number nine, eliminating as many distractions, unnecessary distractions, that is, as you can. That goes with the, the phone, putting it away, or trying not to have the TV on and watching a TV show while doing work. Some of that, some of that may help you be productive. I know sometimes that stuff like that helps people work. So just eliminating distractions that actually do distract you, that don't help you focus. Number 10, taking minute-long breaks. If you hit the end of your 
25 minute chunk, take a little break, whether it be one minute like they suggest, or maybe five minute, but just a little break. So it doesn't have to be big, just kind of a, taking a mental breather from what you're working on can really freshen you up and get you working again. Number 11, breaking down large tasks into smaller ones. That's one that I've been focusing on a lot recently. I've got a number of large scale projects that have long timelines. And so I'm trying to make sure I'm looking at the end goal, finding intermediate goals and setting timelines for those tasks. And ones that it's, and this is an important detail, making them manageable. So that way it's not finish this project every day. It's this project may need to be done in a month, but this week I'm working on this small portion of it so that you can check a box. It's not just one unchecked box for a month. Instead of one, you actually make it into like four or five that get checked off periodically. Number 12, responding to emails when people aren't online. This is kind of a, a, a different thought. If you're working during the day and you reply to an email, this it may blossom in, or I think it's blossom might be too positive of a, of a word. It may turn into, may morph into a conversation that's back and forth. And all of a sudden, all of your attention is diverted to the email. Now, if it's, it, if it's something that's really urgent, yeah, take care of it. But they're saying if email just seems to be taking a lot of time, you might try responding to emails, say, in the evening. So that way, you know, you won't get a response immediately. And it's just, you send the information and it's done. The person will get the information, but it doesn't have to take up this big chunk of your day. Another technique that they say that they include would be writing an email in the evening and then just scheduling it for in the morning. So that way you get the email done, you get it written and sent and it's done while you're thinking about it. But then it doesn't disrupt the, the normal schedule of the other person, of the recipient. So you get the email done. They receive it at a, at a normal work time. And there's not the, the problem of having to face a back and forward conversation that just disrupts your entire flow. Number 13, at the end of the day, write down what you need to do tomorrow. This is kind of a preparation for what's to come up. You don't have to go to bed just wandering, going through your to-do list. It's already put down on paper. You don't have to think about it anymore. Number 14, take self-care breaks during the day. This is, uh, this is something that I've been working on. I do, I have had a tendency to just work throughout the day. And I, I, I think it even got to the point where I might've been giving myself headaches, being inside under fluorescent lighting for an entire day. So I've started to pick times where I, I go outside and I go for a walk. It, For one, the walk is so nice. And it's just a good way to clear my head, to divert my attention from work, and just, I guess, kind of refresh. Number 15, organize and score your tasks based on your goals. So look at which ones need to be done immediately. That's my exclamation point from before. Which ones allow for a little bit of wiggle room. You have some time to finish these things up. Uh, just kind of evaluate which tasks need to be done right now, which ones can be done later, and which ones, and how you're gonna break them up moving forward. Number 16, schedule in distraction time. <laughs> Instead of 
randomly looking at your phone and then opening up social media or something or surfing the internet randomly when you think of a question you don't know the answer to. What you can do is instead of doing that at random times, actually schedule it in. Plan for 15 minutes or something where you will just do random stuff. <laughs> and that then while working, if you think about doing that, you'll say, oh yeah, I'll just do that later during the scheduled time. And you might be able to stay working on your task, your immediate task. Number 17, don't look at work-related computers or phones after work. That one's kind of hard for me. I definitely don't have that ability. I don't. I, I think if I were to only do work stuff at work, I, there's no way I would be able to get it all done. Um, but this one, one day, one day, that is a goal of mine. I want to have a situation where I can just do work and work. <laughs> Although I am someone who, even if I could do that, I would probably think about work, not at work, and work on work when not at work, because that's tends to be how my brain works. How many times can I say work? <laughs> but that would be so cool if I was at a point with, at a, I guess, if I had enough time at work to finish everything that I needed. Uh, that that's the dream. Number number eighteen. Don't put off tasks for tomorrow that you can do today. If you can get it done, and it, just do it. Number nineteen. Prep the night before. That's okay. This one I do. I do this before I go to bed every night. I lay out my clothes that I'm gonna wake that I'm gonna wear the next day. I prepare my lunch that I'm gonna take the next day. I prepare, get it all on the counter, everything in the fridge that needs to be done. Uh, I set out my phone, things that I need, like wallet, hand sanitizer. I get all those things gathered together. Everything's in my backpack that I need to take before the day, the next day. So it's all there and ready. The more I can avoid having to think in the morning, the better off I am, and the less likely I'm going to forget something. Although inevitably, I always forget something. It's kind of an ongoing joke. But if you get it all ready the night before then it, it makes the, the next day run a whole lot smoother, at least for me. Number 20, taking quick naps. I know there's a certain period of time in the afternoon. It's usually around 2.30, 3 o'clock when I just, I'm usually falling asleep. And the article suggests just taking a nap. Instead of like nodding off around that time, you can just go to your car if there's a, a private break room or something. They suggest taking a nap. It might just, it doesn't have to be a long one, just a real quick one. It avoids, it may help to avoid the the nodding off, the just not being able to focus. <laughs> and I know um, at, at home, there will be that, that point in the evening, uh, if it's getting really late around 1230, 1230, 1130 or something. And if if I've had a long day, I'll be, I'll be nodding off. I'll just sit in my desk and just tilt my head back and fall asleep. And it's really bad. I usually end up messing up my neck. <laughs> and it would probably be more productive to just go to bed or just take a nap, real quick one, 10, 15 minutes, and then wake up refreshed. Um, but it usually doesn't end up that way. But they, they, they make this suggestion. suggestion. It might be something for me to consider. Number 21, listen to workflow enhancing tunes. This one... I definitely do. 
I love listening to music whenever I'm working. And a lot of the songs that end up on the playlist for this show are ones that I listen to while working. And in fact, all of them are. I, I think if I wasn't working, I probably wouldn't listen to as much music. So that's one benefit <laughs> of, I guess, my lifestyle. But work-enhancing tunes. Recently, I've been listening to a lot of instrumental songs. That would be a lot of like movie soundtracks. Um, or I should say movie scores, not so much soundtracks. A lot of songs like that. I love, 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 love the Interstellar soundtrack. Specifically, Cornfield Chase is my favorite song on it. So good. But I've got a running list, a running playlist. I'll actually, might as well, make it public. Uh, it's called just Instrumentals. And it's it's great. I've found a playlist on Spotify. It's like not quite classical that I'll play through and find songs that I really like and add to this playlist. And then from those songs, I'll let it go and it'll do suggested tunes. And I've just slowly been growing this playlist of instrumental songs and it's great. I've been listening to it a lot recently. It's just calming and helps me focus. There are other um, lo-fi stations. I've also kind of been getting into lo-fi a little bit recently and just letting it play. There's a uh, a Zelda lo-fi mix. That's pretty good on YouTube. I've been listening to that. And lo-fi music is great. Minecraft music? Great. That the Minecraft, man. If there's any soundtrack that's well integrated with the game, it is the Minecraft soundtrack. Minecraft is the music and the music is Minecraft. You can't have one without the other. Man. Okay. Tunes while working. Good for productivity, I think. Some people, not, and I used to not be that way, but I definitely am now. Number 22, blocking off your calendar. The article points out if, if you have access to a work calendar that other people can see whenever scheduling meetings, you should block off time where you're just working on things. So that way people can't schedule meetings during that time. Um, blocking off just like focus time. I know uh, because something that I use is Microsoft 365, they send out um, like automated messages to help with scheduling. And there's there's the suggestion to block off focus time, where it's just you working on things. So that way you can't have meetings scheduled or calls or other events scheduled during that time. It's just productivity time. Get stuff done. It's kind of an, an interesting strategy, and that could be one to promote focus. Ta or, uh, strategy number 23, make templates for recurring messages. That's kind of, we talked about that a little bit before. If you can make something more efficient that you have to do repetitively, make a template to just streamline the process. Number 24, anticipating problems before they're happening. If you think something's going to go wrong, plan for it. Schedule time to address problems. Don't be just scheduling things one right after another. If Things are going to, if you can kind of gather you don't have all the information and something is likely going to pop up that you don't know how to handle, plan for it. And then uh, finally, this kind of runs in the face of one of the other ones, but the last strategy is carpooling your responsibilities. This is, I, I guess it's saying in certain instances, multitasking can be beneficial. But just be mindful of... <laughs> of what you do when you multitask. Make sure it's not compromising the integrity of your attention on any one thing. And there you have it. There's some 25 productivity strategies that are that 
have been discussed in a Bustle article. And in the beginning, I talked about the Pomodoro technique. I don't think I explained it. I know I've talked about it on other episodes, but basically what it is, is you block off work time into chunks of 25 minutes. You work on a task for 25 minutes. You set a timer. And then for that 25 minutes, you only work on the one task. And then once the timer goes off, you can take a five-minute break. And then you do that on cycles of four. So you do four 30-minute chunks, 25 of which are focus time, five-minute breaks. And then after four sections, then you have like a 15-minute break. So it amounts to like two hours, two hours of work, and then a break, a a long-ish break. And then two hours of work, and then a long-ish break. And it it, it seems to work. It's... Good in principle, it's a little difficult to actually implement, but I, I kind of like that mentality, and I try to implement some of it into my work schedule. But productivity is an interesting thing. There are lots of different strategies out there, and I'm sure these 25 that I've talked about are are not the last list of 25 that you'll see, or the the first, but they're, they're ones to think about, ones to, to keep in the back of your mind if maybe you are struggling with keeping on task or getting things done or feeling a little overwhelmed. I know that that I am at <laughs> this time of year, things are piling up. Um, so I, I, I'm definitely going to be trying to implement these into my everyday life. Now for the music update. This week, I don't really have any major albums that I'm looking forward to. However, I do have a list of songs that I've been liking. The first is Love Spells by Poor Stacy, English Alternative. Chapstick by Coin, English Alt-Rock. That song was heavy in the rotation and has been heavy in the rotation for a while now. That song is great. Melatonin by Upsal, English Alternative. Time of My Life by Upsal, English Alt-Rock. Still With Me featuring two Winxie. Korean Ballad, Chaser by Woods, Korean Alt-Rock, and that song reminds me a lot of Day 6. I don't know if you're familiar with Day 6, but they've got a lot of good music. They're another Korean rock band, and that song, Chaser, it just, it, it screams Day 6 to me. Anyway, next, Close to You by Dumu and Emiya, English Dance, Humankind by Coldplay, English Alternative, People of the Pride by Coldplay, English Rock. The Kids Are All Dying by Phineas, English Alternative. Only a Lifetime by Phineas, English Alternative. The 90s by Phineas, English Alternative. And the next three are from Remy Wolf. The first is Gorilla, English Alt Pop. The song WYD, which is a shortened version of What You Do, but she doesn't she doesn't actually say that in this song. There, there may be more meaning to it than, than what I've gotten. But WYD by Remy Wolf, English alt-pop is pretty good. And then Volcano, also by Remy Wolf, English alt-pop. And there you go. There, there are my music picks for this week. And there we have it. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Spoon Drift. If you want to listen to the music that I talked about, you can check out my Spotify profile, The Spoon Drift Podcasts, and find The Spoon Drift Season 2, Episode 39 playlist. For more episodes of The Spoon Drift, you can visit Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spinnaker Radio's Home on the Web, radio.unfspinnaker.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you want to keep up to date on everything to do with the Spoon Drift, you can follow me on Twitter at Spoon Drift Pod. That's at Spoon Drift Pod. Or on Instagram at Spoon Drift Podcast. That's Spoon Drift Podcast. And with that, you can curl up next to a fire um, and enjoy the rest of your day. I hope to talk to you soon. Thank you.